we are back. This is episode 19, and we're going to pick up right where we left off with our discussion on the journey. This is Gail Robinson with her thoughts on the Big Country album, The Journey. I was admittedly very dubious before The Journey was released, mainly because I couldn't imagine what it would be like, not only with Mike at the helm, but also with Tony gone replaced by Derek, but also the fact that 10 years have passed since the last Big Country album. I will admit, I don't actually particularly like driving to Damascus. It isn't up there in my list of Big Country albums, because to me, it's never been a Big Country album. It was always Stuart Adamson's solo album that just happened to have Bruce, Mark and Tony playing the music in the background. It always seemed to me to be about Stuart's spiritual journey and not really big country so I just didn't have the imagination to think about what a new album would be like. I have to say I was pleasantly surprised when I played it for the first time the passions there the powers there I think the guitar sound is a little bit flat there isn't that rich and complex relationship between the two lead guitars yet it maybe it never will be maybe that's not a direction they want to go in but one of the things that always made big country brilliant was that interweaving of guitar sounds which just doesn't seem to be there yet but obviously the shiva like mark brzicki has been let rip and for once he really does seem to have come to the fore he really seems to have come of age in this album and he seems to be allowed to show his talents whereas in the past the drums maybe been a little bit more muted there are some beautiful songs on the on the album i do think that hurt is absolutely beautiful it really does seem to be about Stuart I think in a broken promised land uh, another country though I don't like the new introduction to that one hail and farewell I mean there's just so many good songs on it that I can't wait to hear live this Friday I do wonder if this album really was mainly cathartic for the band it maybe is saying goodbye to the past it's maybe putting to rest the big country that was and this is just a stepping stone to the big country that will be we don't know we maybe have to wait for the next album to find out but maybe as an intermediate album between the two carnations of the band i actually think it's excellent all my worries and all my skepticism really have been unfounded hurt began in in, in a little side room in in the studio where we were making the journey album and uh i, I could hear mark tinkering away on his piano and and uh, a lot of people don't maybe realize about mark because he's such a uh, a, a presence as a drummer and it, it's his his whole persona comes from the drums but there's so much music in this man and uh a lot of the big country songs have come from the members, you know, when Stuart was alive, he, he, he would dominate proceedings in a way, uh, and that's how people perceived it to be. But when you go into the, deep into the, the big country world, it, it comes from all of the band. Everyone is just as creative. And, uh, and, and that's why a lot of the big country songs, and you go back through the history, are credited to the whole band, because major parts have been played uh, in the melodic structure by the drummer, for instance, here, Mark. Who, well, I've, who, yeah, I mean, I've I've always been doing backing vocals within the band. I've got a good sense of harmony, and I, I'm I'm really moved by music. I mean, as a drummer, it's all about the song. As much as I play in my own way, um, bring that kind of I bring myself 
all of myself to the music. Um, it's always the songs and the music that moves me, you know, from a lyrical idea to a change of a chord moves me. Music moves me, so I play, I, I don't perform piano, I can construct piano re really well because I understand harmony and, and, you know, I've always enjoyed being allowed to be involved because some some people aren't you know you stick to your drums you know but within big country if you can bring something to the orchestra it's always welcomed you know and i've always taken my keyboards in and um you know i double around at home with new ideas and you know i i i put them onto file and i was playing mike some stuff while you were busy doing in the other room and we had kind of different workshops going on and mike kind of ears picked up on one of the songs and said that's great, I'll be back in a minute. And he came back with his guitar and started singing this amazing chorus that would fit it exactly with the verse that I would started. So, you know, it, again, it was uh, it was only me and you really working on that uh, at that initially, time. yeah. Yeah, and it, it kind of, this whole new song was born out of just the fact that... We, we even was, made yeah. a mistake and I was thinking, oh, sorry about that. Mike. Yeah. No, that, no, the mistake is amazing. Said, let's find a middle eight. Let's <laughs> find a middle eight. And Mike, Mike was going, what? Because so full of chords, Mike's got so much choice. He had sort of choice anxiety. Yeah. Well, I could go there, there. Oh, what? That's, that's, the, that's one. the one. That's the one. Remember what that chord was. And, yeah. and, and so the middle eight was... Was, uh, was came, born in, that, yeah. in those moments. And, and uh, yeah, it's... it's, it's Again. It's part of the future of big country as well. I think it's it has its roots in in some of the songs that the band enough for like Chance, for instance, yeah. which began in a similar way with Stuart and Mark. But but this song, uh, yeah. you know, Bruce is playing uh, uh, and Jamie's guitars in in the middle section of the song are, are very special and uh, and I think point the way for big country to move forward with the with the with the soundscape that that has been constructed for the journey. I mean, talking of chance, me and Stuart used to, just in those moments in the studio, because you've always got time to kill and there's different rooms to sort of walk off into, as you can see in here. And I was mucking around with the black notes only on the keyboards and the little, little things I used to play as a kid. It's, it's almost quite simple. And Stuart went, I think there was already kind of phase one of that song from, from Bruce. And Stuart just went, keep playing and... and you know, that kind of developed into chants from the black notes of the keyboards as well, that bomb, 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 dun, dun, it's all black notes, except for one note, which you had to sacrifice. <laughs> but again, it was just me and Stuart sitting like me and Mike, having fun on the piano. I did a low half, he'll do the high half, and we were just jamming, yeah. we were not allowed to play any white notes. You know, it's just <laughs> something you do in the studio, it passes the time, and you, you're actually being very creative at that point, innocently yeah. so, and you realise there's something quite special happening. That's right. You know? Hurt. Uh, there are many songs about Stuart on this album and tributes to him, and this is definitely one of the clearest of those, along with Angels and Promises. Uh, if there's any doubt about what this song is about, just watch the video. Very, very clear references, with um, which along with the words make it a very poignant video and a poignant song for anyone who's ever followed the band, for anyone who's ever followed their career and, and Stuart. So, uh, Despite that, Hurt is one of those songs that on first listen, I was thinking, what is this? Um, it didn't sound like big country. And it uh, it didn't sound like really the band I, uh, I liked. It didn't sound like they really started the album. So uh, my appreciation for the song has grown, definitely. And the video was one of the factors that helped me along quite a bit. Because, <laughs> I, I, because I think the video is extremely tasteful. Uh, it's... Uh, 
it's a good example of how you don't need a big budget to make a video that actually hits home. And uh, that video hit home for me, definitely. And that, that elevated my appreciation. And I've also seen reports online from fans um, hearing this song live during these shows. And they say, oh, that was, that was wonderful. And uh, that, that heightened my appreciation of the song even higher. And I can see that. So uh, I haven't had that experience yet. Hopefully I will. Uh, but I, I can see how any such experience, of course, gives you a closer connection with the song. Um, but uh, even so, musically, I have to admit, I'm still coming to terms with it. And the remaining problem, you know, the recurring problem is it doesn't strike me as big country music. And some people threw around the term U2-ish. I know we did in the last episode. Uh, I would agree. Um I think of Latter-day U2. It's unfortunately not, not the classic, passionate U2 on fire that I have a lot of time for, but the U2 of late, which I don't really care for, the middle-of-the-road U2. And I'm going to be careful in saying that, because that um, it's not... Uh, I, I definitely care more for this song than I do for most of the later U2 stuff, but it reminds me of that because of the the lack of specific trademarks to the band. And it sounds like that style of those type of bands coming out of the 80s now trying to to make something that is acceptable to the masses and again we have those discussions we had on the seer discussion where we had some songs where they catered to an audience which i didn't feel was to be country fans but of course um i get into problems thinking that because the lyrics definitely hit home uh so when i say that i'm thinking musically and not lyrically uh, i don't hate or dislike the song I simply don't love it. I'm still getting used to it. So uh, I think the the biggest issue is the fact that they also chose this song as a single. <laughs> and uh, they came out like they often have with a song that doesn't have a lot of big country in it. So they again, they don't flaunt their style. I think they should flaunt their style a bit more. The album has actually left quite a high bar. And this might be the only song to me that doesn't meet that bar. And that's, again, all musically. It is not lyrically at all. Lyrically, um, the song hits home. And thanks to the video and thanks to really my experience with the band, the band being with me so long and what happened with Stuart, the words really get to me. When I hear the song, you know, I'm, I'm never close to skipping it. At the beginning, I would skip it. Now I don't skip it anymore. So I I feel there's hope for the song yet. You know, I just I needed more time with the song, and like I said, I'm coming to terms with it. So this is still an early take. So um, I guess it would be remiss to not mention that this song is based on a song originally demoed by Mike in 2003. Uh, it's a song called Terms and Condition. And the ironic thing is that his version of the song sounds a whole lot more like Big Country than the Big Country version of the song does. <laughs> and uh, that is uh, in part thanks to a very tasteful Ebo part, uh, a very beautiful part there. Out of that came this song, which finally sort of found a home. Uh, I still like Mike's demo better. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, interesting. I I I had to have to say that I took uh I took a little bit of joy in in discovering that demo because I remember when we were talking about the thirty second clips, I said that this song sounds like a Mike Peters song to me, and you said it doesn't sound like Mike Peters. It doesn't sound like anyone. It doesn't sound like big country. It doesn't sound like anything Mike Peters would do. And then to find out that it in fact was the chorus basically was a Mike Peters song. Yeah. I, still, I, I, I would still maintain that Hurt does not remind me of Mike Peters. If that was on a, an album he released, I would say, where does this come from? To the same degree that I that I do with Big Country. It's a, it's still one of those things. The demo does sound a bit more like Mike Peters. Like you, I don't really strongly dislike the song. I, I don't even dislike it at all. But um, it just I don't know. There was something about it that struck me as being very bland, I guess is the best way to put it. It, it just had a bland feel to it to me on first listen. It, um, it didn't really spark the emotion in me that it probably was trying to spark in a listener but like you when i saw that video um it was such a beautifully done video and when you start to take all those lyrics for what they mean and what they're meant to be talking about and who they're meant to be talking about it's really impossible not to give the song another listen and and to to warm to it because lyrically it really is a very touching tribute to Stewart and when you when you think about that chorus again in relation to Stewart no one can hurt you now and you're able to personalize it like that and you're no longer listening to it as just a song but it's it's got more of a personal connection to you maybe that's a big part of the reason why I've really warmed to it because I really that that Stewart connection now is so strong in the song it it's it's made me it's it's really softened my attitude toward it and made me feel some emotional attachment to it and as as you've mentioned it's i don't dislike the song when it, when i think about what it's about it's very touching to me but there's just something musically about it that's just a little bit weak to me and a little bland it just doesn't it just doesn't bowl me over and oh. i'm i'm really i'm really surprised that they released it as a single i i mean if they if they did think it had more mainstream appeal i guess i can understand that but yeah, I mean, to, to me, a single is, you, you hear it on the radio, and you immediately go, oh, that's them. Yeah. Uh, and this song, you hear it, and you go, oh, that could be anyone. Exactly. <laughs> so uh, so that's really strange. I will say that it's got a really nice guitar solo. My only problem with that solo, and this is going to get back to one of my very few problems with the production of this album, because I think it's all in all a, a beautifully produced album. But if I had one issue with it, it is the way the solos sit in the mix. Um, for me, when I hear this solo, I think it's a beautiful solo, but I want it to be right up in my face. And for some reason, on the production of this album, the solos are kind of mixed back in the mix, almost as if they are still being considered a rhythm guitar part if that makes any sense mm-hmm. um i feel like i feel like when the solo hits it should be brought up a little bit more in the mix so that it should just be almost like a vocal part it should be so prominent and i, I wish that had been done throughout this album where some of these solo parts i think are really nice and they should be a little bit more in your face and a little bit fuller and right right there in front of you whereas I think on this song especially, it's a little bit too much in the background, and it doesn't quite 
have the emotional impact that maybe it should. So uh, I, I, I guess I could be correct in assuming that this is your number 12? Yes, it is. Yes, mine too. Fortunately, I have to say, because I'd hate for there to be another song I felt this way about. <laughs> yeah, I know. And really, this is the only song that I that I feel like a, a big drop-off for me. And yeah, me like, too. The other ones are right around there. I mean, they're, they're very close together, so... Shit! Hello, this is Sean from Boston, and uh, I have been a big country fan, <clears throat> excuse me, since 1986 with the release of The Seer, and I uh, recently started listening to your podcast, which I enjoy thoroughly. I think you uh, two do a fantastic job, so please keep up the good work. Um, I was very, uh, very much enjoyed, in particular, the uh, podcast with Bruce. Um, I just found it incredibly insightful. Uh, anyway, onto the journey, which is uh, w- what this is all about. And um, I must say, I absolutely love this album. I uh, I'm not sure if I should be surprised or, or what I should be. I wasn't sure what to expect, but I think it's brilliant. I think this is what a big country uh, album is all about. You know, the guitars, uh, you know, Mark's um, drumming is absolutely fantastic. And uh, I think Mike did a terrific job uh, with the lyrics. And, uh, you know, one thing I'll say about this album is that it's succinct. I think this is a complete album. Every song to me is listenable. Um, The messages on this song are cohesive. And uh, if I had any criticism over the last couple of big country albums, such as Wide Along Face and Damascus, uh, not to mention the the country twang that was in Ba, which I, I did not like. But I just thought they were disjointed. Uh, kind of kind of a disjointed mess at, at some point. Um, but anyway, I love the journey, and uh, I got tickets to two shows here stateside, and I'm looking forward to, uh, to seeing them. And um, I won't bore you listing my top 12 songs, but I will say that my favorite, without a doubt, is All Through This Land. Uh, I just can't get enough of it. Anyway, guys, keep up the good work. Uh, looking forward to this podcast, and stay alive. Tschüss. The Home of the Brave is a track we're talking about and uh, started off, I, I was asked to write something wacky by Bruce. <laughs> so I got my Hofner bass with the black Nexus things, they're like uh, plastic things almost. And Bruce gave me a loan of a pedal, it was called a Ravish pedal, which is like a sitter. So then I just I just made something up in the spot and played that. They loved it, kept it. Mm-hmm. And then I went in, at that point I went into uh, slide guitar, didn't I? Yeah, you certainly and then, did, I. And a lot of acoustic stuff at the start along with and Mike started it, but then kicked in with everything else, including this young man yes, here. Yes, there was uh, lots of parts flying around. It was uh, quite a, a busy track at the start, just uh, there's a lot of acoustic guitar going on as well. I think you yeah. put in a few bits as well in that. Yeah, that's um, uh, Just really came together quite well. I think what else we done on it? I don't think there's any mandolin or that, just... No, it was more more slide guitar at the start. I mean, really, I thought it was amazing getting that freedom, as I said earlier, getting the freedom to actually do what I wanted on an album. It was, like, unusual for me. So uh, I I did a lot of guitar on the album, but this one in particular, a lot of different styles of guitar, just acoustic, a kind of lead guitar part and slide guitar and the wacky bass and then the normal bass, my my boring day job. (laughs) (laughs) I wouldn't say that. (laughs) (laughs) There's no turning 
Okay, Home of the Brave. I think we're back on track now. And this is another one of those really interesting songs with just a ton of stuff happening in it. Another great song for headphone listening. Uh, a must for headphone listening is is this song. And this is also another song, much like After the Flood, where I, I was saying how Derek was really starting to make a personal statement here. Well, he couldn't make much more of a personal statement than he does in the opening of this song. And he's, I have not seen a video of this live, but apparently he's doing this intro live, too. So I would, would love to hear what that sounds like in, in a live setting. For real, no, I think this is a legend for real. This is the Highlander himself, Fort Highland Battle Dress. This is Mr. Derek Forbes from the Holy So we, we start out with this great little bass sitar combination type of intro and really cool, really cool playing, raw, gritty, in your face type of playing. And then it kind of goes into this um, this slow open. It, it reminds me a little bit of the song Raw from the Alarms Raw album. It's got it's got kind of that feel to it. Um, it's always I've always liked that kind of approach when a song starts out. It's a very well used approach to to music especially music in this type of genre where it'll start out slow and then it'll kick in and i I don't think you can usually go wrong with that kind of approach um i love hearing mike take a little bit of a break from from the howling singing which has been awesome so far throughout this album but he's got a really nice deep uh lower register too and i really like it when he sings in this lower register in the beginning it's it just kind of it sounds really nice coming through your stereo. It kind of reverberates really, really nicely. Now, if there's one criticism I would have of this song, it would it would come back to the lyrics again. I think I think this is another one of those songs that um, it it goes back and forth. There are some great lines in it, and then there's some. I hate to say it, it's fine, but there are some cliched lines in in it, especially in this beginning part. It's almost like a litany of them in the beginning. We've got Wastelands, Edge of the Storm, Eye of the Needle, and then Bruised, Battered, and Worn. I mean, I feel like they are they are worn type of lines. But then the songs kick or the song kicks in with these huge guitars, and I don't think I've ever heard a big country song sound as hard as this, as hard edged. I mean, the guitars sound like they sound like razors almost. They're so sharp and so heavy. Uh, just they they stop just short of being a little um, uncomfortable to listen to uh, with the tone. But I like it. I like it a lot. It's it's very punkish. A, a really great compliment that I will pay Mike on this song is I think once again his vocals are incredible on this song. He's he goes from this lower register opening to just belting it out almost like a 
like an R&B singer at times, like a great R&B singer in this song. He's just just belting this song out, and it sounds so good. Um, love the way he sings on it. The last two things I'll say about this that really stand out uh, in this song and the, that are the highlights of this song for me, um, and they come basically in the in the breakdown section of the song. That breakdown section, Mark's drumming is just mind blowing. Man, it's so good. And then the next part that really stands out to me is the very first note of the guitar solo. Everything stops, and then you get this awesome note. Whoever played it, um, props to you. Um, not much more to say about it other than that. I mean, it's, it's a standout track. It's a great track. Uh, it's um, it's very much like all these songs, most of these songs, I should say, that we haven't really touched on this too much, but most of these songs are very concise and and short and to the point, and they are very very well arranged tunes. And um, this is another great example of that a song that just comes in, kicks you in the face, eats your breakfast, and leaves. Yeah, this really is a powerhouse song. Ferocious is the word. It's uh, it really uh, kicks off, and uh, I'm thinking back to the early session that I tried to record it with Bill Nelson, and that was the session that Tony's bass rig blew out the power and sort of ground the recordings to a halt. <laughs> uh, so um, so there is an unfinished quote unquote version from uh, from the, the session with Bill Nelson knocking about, uh, but actually that story made me think of something I read back in the day. So. This is a uh, the bonus track of this episode. It's a bit of nostalgia. This is from an interview in 1986 uh, with all the band present, and they're talking about their equipment. And as I go into this, this is Tony describing his bass rig. Oh, very cool. So, so Tony says, "I've got a Trace Elliott rig, two four by elevens and two one by fifteens, a preamp and a 500 watt power amp." And Stewart chimes in, "It's what?" And Tony says, it's 500 watts. Stuart just goes, fucking hell. (laughs) (laughs) And Tony says, didn't you know? And Bruce says, Tony's his own heavy metal band. (laughs) And then Stuart, kind of shell-shocked, says, your one amp has got more power than all of mine and Bruce's put together. (laughs) (laughs) And and Tony says, but if you had a 500-watt guitar amp, you'd kill everybody, wouldn't you? And Stuart says, too right. I'm going to get one. Yeah, so so the fun thing is that even back in 1986, uh, there was this issue with Tony's bass rig being gigantic and <laughs> putting everybody else to shame. So uh, clearly that lasted all the way up to the recording of Home of the Brave. But um, yeah, this is uh, a very powerful, uh, powerful song. And uh, my take on the song is it's really about daring to go on until you reach your destination. It's It's kind of like he says in the song, uh, there's no turning back. I'm only going forwards. No time to look around. I got my eyes straight ahead. To kingdom come from oblivion to a place of the saints when all hope fails to the home of the brave. So mm. so he's got his eyes on the prize, on the destination. And getting there might be very hard indeed, but he's going ahead, never taking his eyes off the goal. And he's trying to get there. 
And there's a line later in the song, overcome by fear, turning the tables, the battle lines are drawn, all my defenses are wasted, which I really like. And actually the line, my defenses are wasted is again, a line he uses a lot in the alarm song. He actually has a song called my defenses, which <laughs> it, it seems to be one of those themes. Wow. But, um, so he doesn't actually get there during the course of the song. He's working towards the goal. And so the song becomes about the effort, about really unfaltering perseverance. And this is backed up by the music, which is incredibly intense and it's all out and it just underpins the momentum. It underpins yeah. the size of the challenge and it definitely underpins the intensity of the task. So uh, this actually fits well within established themes for the band about the hardship and toiling through. So a lot of people like this song because it rocks and I think that's fantastic. I, I do that too. But looking at the lyrics, I think the true intensity comes from the message and the way it is delivered, both vocally and musically. So I, uh, this song really means a lot to me. It, it, it falls into classic themes. It's Mike's uh, version of it. So I, I really don't mind even the opening lyrics that you mentioned, Through the Wasteland, Edge of the Storm. It's, it kind of draws the sort of the Mad Max kind of post-apocalyptic landscape, <laughs> if you will. But I think the song works totally. It's a, it's, it draws a situation and it focuses sort of the protagonist of the song. And it's about driving through and eyes on the goal. And uh, I'm going to get there to the home of the brave, whatever that is. That is sort of the, the goal and it can be anything. But uh, the way the music underpins the lyric, it's really what what it just drives it totally home. So yeah, this is such a highlight, such such a strong and happy marriage of music and lyrics. It, it's exactly what I almost didn't dare hope for, but here we got it. And it's like you said, um, short to the point, very well arranged, not an ounce of fat, and. Uh, and that's home of the brave. I don't have much more to add that you didn't mention already. So I'm happy to cut the fat myself and <laughs> reveal that I rank it as number five. <laughs> that's exactly where I have it. Number five. Hey, Tom, it's Vine. It's Arlen from Maryland here. Boy, what a great week to be a big country fan, huh? We get a brand new album that we never thought we'd get again. And it turns out to be a terrific album. It calls back to the old style, but then creates a brand new style already for these five guys together who already seem like they have the cohesion of a band that's been together for a lot of years. Um, anybody who won't give this, the album a listen just because they have hang-ups over the name Big Country or the current lineup is really missing out on some great music. Um, if folks have to, maybe they should think of it as the best lineup the Alarm ever had, or even even more, maybe just as a band you've never heard of. And um, I, I really think it's great work. So plenty of people are going to talk about the musicianship and the singing and the songwriting. So I do want to just mention one thing there. You can't talk about this album and not talk about Mark's drumming. He is just in beast mode on this album. And um, oh, I don't know what his drums ever did to him, but he is beating them like they owe him money. That is amazing. But anyway, good work to the boys overall. I guess I did want to just mention a couple things that I'm having a little trouble getting used to in a big country context, but I'm sure I'll get past it. <laughs> the first is um, the production's a little fussy in a couple of places. Um, you know, there, there are at least three songs that sort of have unnecessary intros. You know, the thing that's plagued big country back all the way to save me, uh, you know, with... Um, with an, uh, Another Country and Home of the Brave and Winter Fire, the songs actually overcome the intros to me. They're not enhanced by the intros. And there are in a couple of places on other songs some little little like electronic effects that I'm not really sure what they're intended to do. But I guess overall that's just a nit. 
And the second thing is you, you have to talk about Mike's singing if you're going to talk about this album. Um, Mike's got one of the greatest voices ever in rock, I think. I've loved the guy since the beginning. But, you know, I'm having a hard time, just a bit, getting used to his style in a big country context. You know, Mike has such a joyous, life-affirming, embracing, direct style of singing. Um, he's so emotive that sometimes he almost makes Bono look um, restrained. I mean, it's like being licked by a giant puppy. And, you know... Originally, that's not what drew me to Big Country's music in the old days. You know, Stewart's singing had sort of a um, melancholy, haunted, smoky sound that made the band seem mysterious and elusive. You know, I never thought I would know everything about Big Country. I would just know the parts they chose to reveal. But that was part of the charm. And so now, you know, like live, when you hear Mike sing, Mike expects to grow flowers in the desert. And that style, I'm going to love in time. But I'm having just a bit of trouble getting used to it in a big country context because that sort of joyous, full-throated, emotional singing style isn't necessarily what drew me to big country when they started. But that, again, is a small net because this is great work overall, and I hope the band plays on for a lot of years and makes a lot more albums to come. So um, signing off for now, guys. Thanks. Angels and Promises. Um, again, that song goes back to when uh, Tony Butler was still in the band. Uh, we actually demoed um, the first version of the song with Bill Nelson up at Bill Nelson's studio uh, just outside Hull and uh, for me it was like a, a dream come true working with a guitar legend like Mr Nelson. Yeah, Angels and Promises, yeah, it's, it's a great track. Um, as Bruce said, um, we've been in with Bill Nelson and we kind of developed it there as well. We'd, we'd done an earlier demo um, that we also liked um, but uh, rhythmically, um, I really in, enjoy the, the patterns that are happening rhythmically, which I actually kind of joined up with Bruce's guitar and James' guitar. It's almost kind of got a bell ringing kind of um, toll that's going through the track and it's reflected in the drum pattern. Um, so it's kind of the guitars talking to the drums in a bell ringing way. And if you, can, if, you, if, if you hear the song, you'll know what I mean. It's a very interesting track. Okay, Angels and Promises. We talked about the demo version from 2011 in episode 9, and I said at the time that this was the song that gave me unfaltering belief in this lineup. Uh, that this song, more than any other, proved that this new lineup could work. And I always loved that version of the song. In many ways, I found it perfect, so uh, I was always wary of the band trying to re record it. And now we have the final results. And uh, the bottom line is they did a great job. The song is great. I still love it. But I do have a few issues with the final approach. Uh, and the main issue is basically the fade out. Uh, it is way too sudden. It goes from the band playing away into nothing. In, yeah. in literally seconds. And apart from how quick the fade out is, it also happens too soon. The band is still building up towards the climax. And they start leaving the song before they reached it. So it feels yeah. like the end of the song is missing. And in that respect, it reminds me of what happened to uh, When a Drum Beats initially. Uh, that's another song that was victim to what I call premature evaporation. It was, <laughs> it was over before it should have been. So uh, if you look at the song length, Angels and Promises is actually the second shortest song on the album at 3 minutes 6 seconds. Wow. I mean, yeah, that's all it is. Three is three oh six. You wouldn't believe it, right? That's shocking, actually. Yeah, it, it's very shocking. It's a mere six seconds longer than the quick and dirty last ship sails. 
<laughs> wow, that's that's really surprising. Yeah, and uh, it didn't have to be. It's not like the song needs to end when it does. It isn't too long. And if you look at the demo again, it has a lovely outro that fades out and has notes mm-hmm. just hanging in the air, slowly drifting off. It's very nice, very poignant. The other thing is more minor, but part of what I liked on the demo is how the song felt a bit naked. Uh, I really liked that. I think it suits the song. So I would have relaxed some of the playing, or at least some of the mix. And I think the best example of that is is definitely the lead guitar that plays over the chorus. It's very in the front of the mix. The same part is there in the demo, but much quieter. It takes more of a backseat. And that's how I like it to be. It's less in my face, more reflective, maybe quieter, more space. So I would have kept the part, but pulled it back a bit, take a few steps back. Mm. And uh, in the same vein, the demo also had some stops where the band stops playing after the first chorus. There was a brief silence and then they continue playing. Yes. Very, very effective. And on the album, and I know you said the same thing before, uh, Mike fills the hole with... Say a Yes, I wish he hadn't done that. Oh, I agree. I would have kept the silence. Uh, I don't want to be too melodramatic about it, but I always thought of how this song is about Stuart and about how his life came to an abrupt halt. And so does the song at that point in the demo. And, and plus the lyric there is silences. That's the other thing that's ironic. He says prisoners and silences, and then there's silence. Prisoners and silences. The silence there, the stop, it's really effective. Yeah. So um, the brief silence and then continue. So it, that's definitely an example of less is more. But uh, one of the things I like about the new recording is the crescendo. When Mike sings, I'm walking on a mountain without a summit, swimming in a sea without a shore. Uh, and the way he delivers those lines just gives me chills. That's Mike at his finest singing. Uh, that part is definitely more powerful than the demo, and I like that. The demo does have a bit more light and shade, maybe too much light and too little shade, uh, whereas the demo was opposite. But um, yeah, I mean, the song itself is great. I love it. And I especially love Mike's vocals. Uh, these kind of songs are made for him. But there's something to be said for the sparseness of the demo, and especially the the way the song ends. It's, it's a big flaw of the song on the album. That's unfortunate. But as far as tributes to Stuart go, this one is pretty much perfect. And I prefer this song to Hurt because uh, in addition to a lyrical tribute, I feel the music is much more a tribute as well to Stuart. Yeah, I think sometimes when, when a band returns to a demo or has lives with a song for a long time before they actually finally recorded sometimes they tweak things that really don't need to be tweaked and yeah I, I don't have a whole lot to add to some of the things that you said because i don't want to just repeat what you said but a couple of really great things about this that i think do improve on that demo to me um mark's drums uh, it's his drum his drumming is basically the same as it is on the demo but 
it's it's really just the way these drums are mixed throughout this album, and I think it really shines through on this album, or excuse me, on this track, because he's playing such a cool rhythmic part on the verses of this, and he could very so easily just have played a very standard beat, hitting the kick drum and the snare in in the right time, but he does this great little tom fill thing that goes throughout the verses, and there's just something about the the way those drums sound on this recording that I just think is so great. And it's so classic Mark Brzecki. And when I first heard this demo, I, I, I know I wasn't alone in this, but I thought it had a, a very much an REL tapes type of feel to it. And I don't feel that way with the way it's been recorded here. There was something about the tone of it, but still the parts of it are very much like something you would hear in some of those REL tapes. And I, it reminded me specifically of something like over the border or something along those lines. And Mark's playing especially is very much like he was playing on those tapes. And I, I just love hearing that. Um, the other cool thing that I like that they added were, were these kind of Western sounding guitars that they added through the mix. Um, I almost want to call them teacher guitars because they've got that clean kind of American Old West feel to them and I think that's a nice touch I like it what's really interesting is that they've got another version of this that we haven't heard yet that's different from the demo and this is one that was worked on um, by Bill Nelson and from what I hear they're planning to release this at some point I don't know if it's going to be on another rarities compilation or or what but they're going to release this so that will be very, very interesting to hear yet a third version of this song and, and see what you know what we think about it. Lyrics are really good, really, really beautiful lyrics for the most part. I, I really like Velvet Glove of the Honest Truth as unmistakable as you. I, I don't it, it kind of reminds me of some of these old Stuart lines. I don't exactly know what it means and I've heard some people saying, Well, what is he singing about here? It doesn't make any sense and I'd say, well, it's not that much different from some of the early Stuart lyrics where you really don't know what he's saying, but there's just something beautiful about the way the words run together. And yeah. that's yeah. kind of how I feel about that line. And really, really nice. So it's a great song. What a wonderful tribute to Stuart. Great music. And this is just one of those tracks on the album that really makes me a, a complete believer in, in what this lineup can produce and what they're doing, the sound that they're coming up with, the quality of the songs they're recording and this is without a doubt one of my favorites on the album. Yeah, it is mine too. And uh, it goes to show how strong I feel this album is that uh, I was so high on it uh, back in episode nine, and now I rank it number six. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I'm still very high on it. I've got it at number three. Shut! Hey guys, it's John Lewis from Sacramento, California. Uh, finally getting around to commenting on The Journey, which I am loving an awful lot, uh, rocking out to it in the car. Um, I had a little bit of trepidation over the album. I mean, I was looking forward to it, I think, like a lot of us were, but I was afraid it might be uh, uh, a cheap imitation of The Crossing or uh, full of I Walk the Hill-style songs that are self-parody, um, or a little too much like The Alarm. I like The Alarm. I kind of like I Walk the Hill. And uh, The Crossing is an album worthy of imitation. But none of that would be looking forward. And I was hoping for uh, something that was more like the next chapter in the big country story. And I think we got that. Um, it's not perfect. Um, it feels a little bit like 
an album of really good B-sides. But um, as we all know, big country B-sides are tremendous. Uh, I think um, I think the standout songs are, um, at least for me right now, as of this moment, uh, Last Ship Sails, which is a skid song. I mean, there's no getting around it. It's a skid song. Um, and Return, which I finally got to hear without all of the skipping in the bad MP3 file uh, when I got my CD, CD in the mail today, which was great. Um, I really enjoy it. Uh, this album is just fun. Um, I can't argue with the noisy guitars. I think it would be really hard to, and I can't argue with the crazy drumming. Uh, I think um, Forbes does a great job on bass. Um, yeah, I miss Tony, but uh, Derek's Derek's doing a good job. Um, and hey, he plays the theremin. You can't uh, can't argue with that either. Um, but uh, anyway, I'm excited to see them live. I'm excited to hear the new material and. Uh, to finally be able to chant again to Chance or Lost Patrol, uh, since I haven't been able to do that since uh, 1986, at least not with a whole bunch of other people doing the same thing in a concert. Uh, thanks for the podcast. It's been tremendous, and uh, keep up the good work. Strong was originally... Um, a piece of music that Tony Butler, uh, our original bass player, came up with. Um, he demoed it down in Cornwall, and we actually played it together on our 25th anniversary tour, although it wasn't called that at the time. It had different, uh, a different title and different lyrics, so that was one of the, the songs that um, Tony brought to the table, and we embellished it. We brought our own bits. Um, you, you brought a, a part into it as well, didn't yeah, you, Yeah, just uh, basically we used a couple of like, Gretsch sounds and things like that on it just to give it a different feel and a vibe which we, we tend not to usually do on big country we're not, not going for the two country western sort of vibe with the, <clears throat> the big and that so yeah we sort of went out of our territory a wee bit there but you can hear it in the sound I think comes across quite well and nicely um, Jolly good Jolly good <laughs> Okay, Strong, All Through This Land. This is a song that I've really had an interesting relationship with as I've after I've heard it on the album because initially I was really kind of disappointed in this song. And it's, again, it's another one of those situations where if I had not heard the, the live version of it before, I probably would have really jumped on this tune immediately. But there was so much about that earlier version that I really, really liked and even loved. And... This was one of the songs that I was really targeting is I really can't wait to hear all through this land. I didn't even know it was going to be called Strong, and we'll get to that in a second. Yeah. So it, it had been played before as all, as, as all through this land, and I really enjoyed that song. In fact, it was probably my favorite of the live tracks that they had been playing. And one of the things I loved about it was the verses. And usually when you think about how much you love a song, you kind of gravitate toward the chorus. But for some reason, I loved the verses of this song the way they played it live. Yeah. 
Well, when I heard it on the album, it, the surprise that I felt when I first played this was we get a very muted version, at least initially, of the song. I see a man stood at the crossroads, by the fire, by the flame. And it really never kicks into the kind of rocky version that the live uh song the live version of this tune did but i've got to say it's one of those songs that has really grown on me quite a bit and i almost i mean i always liked it don't get me wrong but i it just took me a long time to really acclimate myself to the the major changes they made to the tune and i liked it when i first heard it but it wasn't what i wanted exactly but i've really grown to really love this song um and I can't quite yet say if I do prefer it to the original version. I think I was listening to it today in preparation for this, and I think maybe I finally teetered over the brink where I maybe do prefer this one now. Um, What's good about this change that they made to make it a little bit more muted in the verses, I think, is that it's kind of a nice change of pace um, from what we've gotten before because we've got plenty of soaring big songs on this album. And this is still a big song, and it's got a lot that – sort of harkens back to old school big country in fact it almost feels like it would it would fit on the steel town album at least as far as the themes and the the guitar sounds and that kind of thing um but it it is kind of a nice change of pace i think having mike singing in a lower register in the verses and kind of a quieter verse and then it kicks into the chorus i kind of like that yeah, definitely. I think the advantage of writing in the song and setting the mood like they do here is it allows the lyrics to come across more poignant. Yeah, it does. And still, there are some lyrics that, that I can't quite get. Uh, I'll talk about that in a second, too. But um, again, guys, if you're listening, we, we need a lyric sheet. We need a lyric sheet badly. <laughs> and and this, this song is a good example of it. So get that out, please. Um, but since you brought up lyrics, I will say that my only criticisms of this song – some are some are minor lyrically, but I do the one thing that I really have had a had a little bit of trouble acclimating to is the fact that they changed the name to Strong and then all through this land became parenthetical. Right. I, I feel like that is just a I hate to as you said last time, the saying cliche it's a cliche is very cliched in and of itself. I'll probably be a little cliched on this episode because I, I do feel like strong is just kind of a nothing. I don't want to say it's a nothing type of word because it's certainly not, but it just it doesn't do anything for me. Whereas all through this land seemed mysterious to me and interesting, and I I like that. I had no problem with them just keeping it all through this land, mm. and I, and I feel like when he sings "Walk on, be strong," I don't know that that line to me just strikes me as a little bit played out and yeah it's one of those lines that just kind of doesn't do much for me and i i kind of wish they would have kept it as all through this land i, I would have preferred that yeah i'll um, just say i totally agree with that i can't get used to it being strong i still think of the song as all through this land and maybe it's just habit that makes me prefer it but i don't think so because all through this land definitely feels more big country like to me it's it's a title that sweeps through the landscapes yes whereas, whereas strong I don't really know. It's it's kind of like they couldn't make up their minds, so they ended up using both. You know, it's too throwaway. It doesn't yeah, it doesn't is. do it for me. Yeah, um, I agree. The first lines that Mike sings are are similar to what I how I feel about the word strong. I mean, he's kind of he slips there in that part to what I don't 
want him to do and what I always gravitate toward. He kind of says it's kind of a litany of cliches in those that opening kind of standing at the crossroads, burned by the fire, scarred by the flame. But once he gets over that, he he does what I feel like he does on a lot of these songs. He he maybe hits those moments that I would complain about or criticize a little bit, but he always comes back with some really great stuff. And um, there's one lyric that uh, I just recently discovered. I didn't know what it was, but uh, someone is trying to transcribe these lyrics, and they posted this, and it, it was nil nil by mouth. And I read that, and I thought, what what the hell does that mean? And that's it's not something you would say much in America. I know what the word nil means, so I went and looked that up, that up. And nil by mouth is um, something that they say to people before they're going to be undergoing medical tests or something. Don't take anything by mouth. Don't eat anything. And he says that in one of the verses. And I think that's really interesting. And I thought, I wonder if that's playing into some of the personal things that he's gone through, because he's probably heard that phrase quite a bit with his own struggles with his illness. And I don't know, it, it just, it kind of made me think more deeply about the song lyrically. But again, guys, we need that lyric sheet. We really do. Um, just to wrap up, up my feelings about this song, uh, it is a great vocal performance by Mike, as pretty much all of these songs are. Really stunning vocal performance. And we've got an acoustic version that is even more stunning to me um, that we'll play at some point that came off of the Broken Promised Land vinyl. This is a, one of the strongest tracks on the album for me, despite the criticisms that I have. Um, really? I've st- I still have really grown to, to love it. Um, it's uh, It's just a really interesting song. It's got so many shades and and different textures to it that I, re- I really like it. And I, I really like the stereotypical big country chord progressions and guitar parts. And I wish the play out was a little bit rockier like it was on the live version. I don't know. I, I think this is just a really interesting song, um, and I like it. I like it quite a bit. It's mm. it, it is a strong song, even though the lyrics aren't always strong. But the song itself is strong. Yeah. So you covered most of it, and um, I just want to go into the words a bit. I have a a, a different take on it, perhaps. Uh, I saw the same attempts at uh, transcribing the words, which is invaluable to me, since I don't no English, as well as supposedly Mr. Tom does, who has to look up what the English words mean. But uh, I, what I get from the words is a sense of hardship and perseverance, which again are classic big country I, themes. I had to look up what the phrase meant, but not, not the words. Okay, you're excused. You're excused. <laughs> but Mike sings a section that's really interesting. It takes all that you are, all that you can be. It takes all that you can give still gives back what's been given. In other words, he's basically saying it's hard work, but it's worth it if you don't give up, which is interesting in terms of living on the land and this is where you grew up uh, and how the land of your fathers is also the land of your sons, which he says specifically in words like in this land of my fathers where my children walk. So there's a continuity about family and this land and a sense of belonging. So 
that's a very interesting theme to me. So I feel definitely all through this land as a title fit that team a whole lot better than strong. But um, yeah, it it is what it is. So that's really all I have to add to it. You covered most of the things. I think we'll keep it short and sweet. Uh, I'll just say in closing, I, I don't know if I prefer the reworking. I certainly don't mind it, but uh, it's not like I, yeah, I I like the free flowingness of the original live thing, but uh, it's okay. Even though the, there's a guitar line in the verses that reminds me of the teacher. Hmm. There's that twangy line. You probably know what I mean. I actually like that quite a bit in this tune, but it, it, uh, it took me a while to, to prefer to really reconcile to the original, but I actually like that. Yeah. So I'm probably a whole lot less reconciled than you. I rank it as number nine. Well, not too much. I rank it. Rank it as. Uh, I rank it as number six. Shot! Hi guys, Mark Riven here. I'm loving the journey. It's a great big adrenaline surge of a record. Huge themes, incredible energy, spirit, heart. It feels like a kind of a collection of survivors' tales from people who've been through so much and. Yeah, still emerge intact. You know, fires on dampened, heads high. To me, it's a it's a big country record in in sound and in spirit. The playing is great throughout. Mike's contribution is immense. Mark and Bruce, well, the, it feels unleashed. It feels like the Buffalo Skinners in that way. It just feels like they've they've uh, gone to the studio and thrown everything into this. And the songs are great. There's a it feels like there's something for everyone on this record. You look at uh, some of the reviews, and every song seems favoured in one in one place or another. Uh, for for me, I'm, I'm loving particularly "Winter Fire," "Home of the Brave." They're rockies, rockier songs, I guess. And they're also about sex. Obviously, "Winter Fire" speaks for itself. "Home of the Brave" abbreviates to "Hot B," and I need a cold shower now. So enough of that. But this is a great big life-affirming record. It's to me, it, it is a big country record. It stands proudly with the heritage of big country. I'm going to listen listen to it as much as I've listened to all the others. I'm sure. Um, but but you know, for you, even for those who for whom it you know it is another country now. Well, that's fine. But you know, this is a great record. The guys have really pulled this one out. I can't wait to go see them. I think next Friday in concert. Can't wait, like a kid again. But anyway, guys, be interesting to hear what you guys make of it. And, uh, well, I look forward to hearing that. But uh, thank you very much. And keep up the good work, guys. Last Ship Sales is, a, again, a little journey, probably 30-odd years ago to 1977. It's got that kind of almost skidsian punk rock attitude about it. You know, it's really up tempo it's short and sweet and it does what it says on the tin <laughs> yeah, it's a good one to play live as well we've done it a couple of times in the mm-hmm. last tour and the, the crowd seemed to enjoy it having that just straight fast paced song that just keeps the crowd bouncing so that's a it's also good to go back to sort of the skidsy route as well for where Stuart sort of came from and where my dad and him met so it's sort of just keeping it all in uh, the, the same tin as it were punk rock rules okay the last ship sails, 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 the 
Last Ship Sails. This is yet another song that we talked about back in episode 9 with the early live versions on YouTube. And I'm not going to repeat what we all said back then, but um, as I suspected would be the case, the album version really has given me a much higher appreciation of the song. A lot. And part of it may be that I now see the total link, which is the throwback to the skids. I mean, none of us mentioned the skids back in episode nine. Mm. Uh, and I think at the time it felt more like a generic punkish quick rocker, if you will. Uh, I struggled to see how that kind of song would fit into the big country legacy. I mean, the skids reference wasn't evident. I mean, if someone saw it, no one certainly said it. And I certainly didn't see it. And in hindsight, maybe I was worried that they were going for more of a punk popish type green day-ish song or something like that which is just a thought that makes me shiver <laughs> please don't, yeah. don't go that way so uh, on the album there's definitely no doubt this is a skid throwback and that just says click to me the connection with the past is so much clearer and I can see what place this song has in the canon now which wasn't so clear to me in the early glimpses so uh, today I, I love the song for what it is it's almost a skid tribute which again is a tribute to Stuart's past. So mm. this album is full of Stuart tributes and references. And so this becomes one as well, musically, more than lyrically. Uh, and uh, and I love that. But another thing that's really made this song grow for me, and I really didn't expect this, are the lyrics. Uh, that was something I really didn't expect, but I, I found some very interesting throwbacks there, uh, where the words almost make me think of this as a follow-up to Steel Town. Steel Town, the song. Uh, yeah. Allow me to do a bit of quoting from the words. Uh, the, sure. town, the town blocks look so beautiful in their own way. The cityscape is a fire scene of protests on the street. And later you have the skyscrapes, the horizons of smoke and industry. Yes. <laughs> exactly. The words. I had that line too that I was going to mention if you didn't. Yeah, how could you not mention it? Those words really paint a picture of a town of concrete, smoke, and industry. And I think of the rundown settlement, which is described in the song Steel Town. It clearly is some sort of the same kind of dead end street town. There's street riots, there's upheaval, and there's no work and no future. And the song goes on I was not the first, I will be the last to come around here. The last ship sails tonight. So, where Steel Town offered no hope and no way out, in this song there is now a chance. The last ship sails. But you've got to be quick because he sails tonight. So while Mike introduced the usual hope he is known for, it's still very dramatic. It feels mm -hmm. like a decision about leaving that needs to be taken very quickly. Is there time to say goodbyes? Is there time to grab your belongings? Will you even take the last ship out? What happens if you don't? What happens if you stay? So this is exactly the kind of drama that early big country songs had in spades. And to a much lesser degree as the years went on. So I think on this one, Mike really nailed it. And he did it on a quick punkish song where you didn't expect the lyrics to be like that. You expected it to be less so than some of the other songs on here. So that was a huge, huge surprise to me. I'm really quite blown away by that. So I agree. I, th I think this is Mike's finest hour on the album lyrically. It's it's I have I have no complaints whatsoever mm. with this song. Yeah. Uh, this may be the one song on the journey that 
well, actually one of two. I'm going to get back to the other one. But it's, uh, that approaches anything remotely close to the uneasiness and dramatic tension of some of the older songs. So, so that's that, that was a wow thing. I really didn't expect that from Last Ship Sales, especially after the YouTube clips. So uh, obviously, uh, we mentioned it already, Last Ship Sales is the shortest song on the album. It's three minutes blank. And that is much less a surprise than some of the other songs you talked about. And... Uh, yeah, I'm going to not say everything. I'm going to leave some stuff for you. But I want to mention at the end something about a title. Uh, that for a long time, we referred to this song as The Last Ship Sales. And now it's Last Ship Sales without the the. Uh, for, some, for some reason, this makes me think of the last few tracks on The Seer, which have been referred to as simply Red Fox and Sailor, where there also, <laughs> yeah. there also seems to be an invisible the in front of them. So that's just one of those little connections in my brain that it just makes me smile. <laughs> that's interesting. I never thought, I never noticed that before or hadn't yet. That's funny. Yeah. There's not a whole lot for me to add to this. Um, it, you, co- you covered it great in a great way as far as thematically. And I was going to say, if you didn't, uh, the lyrics to this, I think Mike just nailed it from the beginning to the end. I love the lyrics to the song. Great throwbacks to the old school big country. I love it. Even in the beginning, there's a line that says, as the shadow trails on the concrete, separating you from me and you from me and infamy. That's what I hear. I'll be waiting to get that official lyric sheet. But I I swear he says, separating you from me and you from me and infamy. And I think that's a really just a cool little play on words, just great, great lines throughout this whole thing. And um, yeah, it does have that that vital we have to move right now type of feel from the lyrics to the music. And I've always loved this song. I, I love the chorus. I love the whole idea of a last ship sailing. And there's just something powerful about that imagery. And yeah, they 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 did the ultimate version here on this album, and they should be really proud of this song. It's a great uh, example of the band really showing what they can do going forward if they want to, if they want to pursue this type of style. Yeah, it's a throwback to the skids, without a doubt. It's got a skids feel to it, without a doubt, but it also sounds fresh and contemporary. In fact, the skids actually, to me, sound fresh and contemporary when I listen to them. So it's um, so I wouldn't say that it's like a vintage-sounding song. It still sounds like it's right here and right now, but it's got those great roots in the past. And yeah. You know, musically, I think Derek is really good on this too, which is um, he he stands out with some really cool bass lines, and it's funny because Tony, I believe, uh, what Bruce told us, Tony wrote the the uh, majority of the music to this song, at least on the bass, and they kind of built off of that. But yeah, there's there's one other really 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 cool guitar part that goes throughout this song that I absolutely love, and it kind of goes back to. Some of the things I said in the earlier songs where I was talking about how they could have easily not done this or could have easily done something more simplistic. But when they do things like this, it really lets me know that these guys know what what they're doing and they knew what they were doing on past Big Country albums, too. And that is this really cool little subtle guitar line and these subtle guitar flourishes that go um, they start. It starts in the second chorus of the song and it goes through the rest of the choruses and it almost sounds like little chimes playing in the background. To me, it adds even more 
to this song. They could they could have very easily said just stick with the Green Day approach as you mentioned, keep the bar chords, keep the power chords, but they added this little layer that and it's this kind of it's this kind of thing that separates big country uh separates the men from the boys to me and the, and big country are men and they prove it again with this song. So yeah, great song. Classic. Will will be a classic big country song for as long as they continue, I think. Yeah, and dare I say this could have been a good single choice. Yeah, you know, it could have been. It definitely could have been. Hmm. If they were going to dress up someone and call them uh, the Poppy Fields too, then this song would be the one to pick for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this, this song would have been. They, they would have come. Uh, an, they would have hired another group of people to come up and come and beat up the ones that they hired for the Poppy Fields. <laughs> <laughs> they would have. They would have beaten them up while they played 45 RPM. This is a little tougher song than that. Although that was a tough song too, but. So yeah, so yeah, we both like this one a lot. So where do you rank it? Yeah, I did the math, and uh, this uh, I would never have thought so back in uh, episode nine, but this ranks as number three for me. Oh wow, it's funny we've kind of switched places in a way, but uh, for me it's number seven. But again, I just want to stress that man, these songs are close. These songs are so close. In fact, just talking about it now, I could almost switch it with with uh, strong and make make it six and make strong seven, but. I'll keep it at seven because that's where I had it. But uh, I, from from three through eleven or ten at least, they're they're all very close. So. G'day Tom and g'day Svein. It's Andy calling from Melbourne, Australia. Uh, just with a couple of thoughts on the new album. Uh, nothing particularly specific, other than to say this album. Uh, has absolutely blown my socks off. Uh, it's it's done what I didn't think uh, another big country album could do after sort of the, the midpoint in their career, I guess, uh, I think, save for Buffalo Skinners. But this album has given me feelings that that's almost transported me back to being a 13- or 14-year-old kid hearing new songs for the first time and getting almost that butterflies feeling in the tummy of, of just being completely uh, wrapped up in, in the sound and the feeling. Uh, Bruce and Mark, uh, guys, what you've done on this album, and I, I say Bruce and Mark as, as the longest-serving members in the band um, and, and not taking any credit away whatsoever from Mike or Derek uh, and even Jamie, but, but you two guys, I think you knew exactly what, uh, what the essence of Big Country was uh, and you've recaptured it in the, in this album, uh, and I'm I'm so thankful for that. And I, I'm I know there are fans around the world that are, that are feeling the same way. Uh, and the way you guys have done this, uh, considering the the massive setbacks that this band has endured, um, you know, this is an album we we never thought we were going to get. We, it's been a 14 year wait, uh, and. Uh, you know, I thought I thought as a as a fan, uh, even a two or three year wait was a long time between drinks. You know, when uh, when the band was together, but you knew that there was always going to be another album. Uh, whereas this one, we never we never knew until sort of maybe midway through last year, uh, and then from that moment the anticipation grew. Uh, expectations were pretty high, I think, because uh, fans were going to be extremely critical of this. Uh, but they've come through 
the guys have clearly come through with flying colours. Uh, I'd just like to make one quick mention of, of one song, um, Last Ship Sails. It's just incredible. And I think if Stuart could hear this song, he would have a grin from ear to ear. Uh, of all the songs on the album, that our songs are about Stuart, written for him. Uh, this one just captures it, in my opinion. It's an absolutely storming track. Uh, every time I press play on this track, I just want to hear it again at the end. It's just amazing. Um, I'm really happy for the guys. I'm more than happy. I'm really proud of them. They've produced uh, such a quality album. All right, thank you. Okay, that's episode 19, part two of our dissection of the journey. We'll pick it up exactly where we left off next time in episode 20, which is going to be part three of our journey dissection. We can't do anything album-wise without it at least being a trilogy. So hopefully this was enjoyable. We really appreciate everybody adding their speak pipe messages. I think, once again, that has made the show so much better. So thank you guys for doing that. There's going to be more opportunities to do that in the future about whatever topic we're talking about. And uh, we'll see you next time. In the meantime, check us out on Facebook, The Great Divide Podcast. Download us on iTunes. Leave comments there. And you can also email us at bigcountrypodcast at gmail.com. So we will see you next time, episode 20, and we will finish up our discussion of the journey. We'll leave it on a good note, I think. We have a, a special treat for everybody. This is an acoustic number of one of the songs from The Journey. Enjoy. I see a land stood at the crossroads, burnt by the fire, sky by the flame, blood on my hands, smoke in my lungs, blisters on my fingers, nil by now. It takes all that you you can be It takes all that you can give It still gives back what's been given All through this land Walk on and be strong Call it you want you'll never be alone in times of trouble and through it all in this land of my fathers where my children walk all through this land I see the crossings of the river Rising tide, a wind against a hurricane.
thing I've ever had to do, I, I think, in my life. You guys seem, you make it look so easy. That took me, what I just said to you then, uh, what I sent you, it took me about 35 takes to get right. And I, I, I was shitting myself. I even had to start writing down notes. And I, then I wrote down so many notes that I spoke for like seven minutes before I, th- I realized the thing fucking cut out after three minutes. Oh, <laughs> so, uh, gee, anyway, I, I'm really looking forward to the next episode. Bye.